The Futurist Manifesto. One, we want to sing about the love of danger, about the use of energy and recklessness as common daily practice. Two, courage, boldness, and rebellion will be essential elements in our poetry. Three, up to now, literature has extolled a contemplative stillness, rapture, and reverie. We intend to glorify aggressive action, arrest of wakefulness, life of the double, the slap, and the punching fist. Four, we believe that this wonderful world has been further enriched by a new beauty, the beauty of speed. A racing car, its bonnet decked with exhaust pipes like serpents with galvanic breath, a roaring motor car, which seems to race on like machine gun fire, is more beautiful than the winged victory of Samothrace. Five, we wish to sing the praises of the man behind the steering wheel, whose sleek shaft traverses the earth, which itself is hurtling at breakneck speed along the racetrack of its orbit. Six, the poet will have to do all in his power, passionately, flamboyantly, and with generosity of spirit, to increase the delirious fervor of the primordial elements. Seven, there is no longer any beauty except in struggle. Any work of art that lacks a sense of aggression can never be a masterpiece. Poetry must be thought of as violent assault upon the forces of the unknown, with the intention of making them prostrate themselves at the feet of mankind. Eight, we stand upon the furthest promontory of the ages. Why should we be looking back over our shoulders if what we desire is to smash down the mysterious doors of the impossible? Time and space died yesterday. We are already living in the realms of the absolute, for we have already created infinite omnipresent speed. Nine, we wish to glorify war, the sole cleanser of the world, militarism, patriotism, the destructive act of the libertarian, beautiful ideas worth dying for, and scorn for women. 10. We wish to destroy museums, libraries, academies of any sort, and fight against moralism, feminism, and every kind of materialistic, self-serving cowardice. We, 11. We shall sing of the great multitudes who are roused up by work, by pleasure, or by rebellion, of the many-hued, many-voiced tides of revolution in our modern capitals, of the pulsating nightly ardors of arsenals and shipyards ablaze with their violent electric moons of railway stations, voraciously devouring smoke-belching serpents, of workshops hanging from the clouds by their twisted threads of smoke, of bridges which, like giant gymnasts, bestride the rivers, flashing in the sunlight like gleaming knives, of intrepid steamships that sniff out the horizon, of broad-breasted locomotives champing on the wheels like enormous steel horses brittled with pipes, and of the lissom flight of the airplane, whose propeller flutters like a bag like a flag in the wind, seeming to applaud like a crowd excited. It is from Italy that we hurl at the world this utterly violent, inflammatory manifesto of ours, with which we today are founding futurism, because we wish to free our country from the stinking canker of its professors, archaeologists, tour guides, and antiquarians. Those were the 11 declarations of the Futurist Manifesto, composed by F.T. Marinetti, and published in 1909 on the front page of Le Figaro, an influential French newspaper that continues to this day. This manifesto sparks not only the ignition of the futurist movement, but the entire avant-garde of the 20th century, with subsequent movements implicitly either supporting the futurists, pushing their ideas further, or arguing against them and using them as a foil to tout their own agendas. Importantly, though, each movement would adopt Marinetti's manifestoing and see this manifesto as the standard to meet or beat. That's what this podcast is about. 
we'll be cherry-picking manifestos from the 20th century, examining the form and rhetoric of the manifesto, the ideas within them, offering judgments, tracing histories and changes of movements, as well as looking at the art and writing these manifestos would generate. There will be a copy of the core works that we will look at in the description of each episode. And welcome to the first episode of The Manifest Image. I'm Ariel De La Garza. And I'm Thomas Greengrass. Uh, All right. Yeah. So I think the first thing we have to do um, is say what FT Marinetti stands for. Yeah. It stands for Filippo Tommaso Marinetti. Um, nice accent. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I'm sorry for That's the good. accent. No, lo- we will definitely butcher accents. But yeah, he was an Italian poet, founder of Futurism, obviously, who reached notoriety with the Futurist Manifesto, um, which was published in 1909. He's born in Alexandria, Egypt, in 1876, and educated by Jesuits, uh, and he sort of moves around his life from Paris and then to Prussia and Genoa. And eventually, in 1899, studies a law degree and graduates from a law degree at 23 years old. But it's around then that he decides to dedicate his life to poetry and playwriting and writing in general. And he's not very, very successful at the start. At the start, he's, he's a bit bumbling, um, messes things up a bit. But eventually, after sort of founding a magazine in 1905 called Poesia, where he really tried to develop free verse uh, poems and syntax, he eventually gets into politics, namely nationalist politics, and founds the Futurist Manifesto. Founds Futurism through its manifesto, and then goes on to write many, many more manifestos. The man was a prolific manifesto writer. That's probably where he excelled more than in the poetry or the plays. and, And yeah. But yeah, it's important to say that in the cor- during the course of these uh, these episodes, uh, we will be looking at these manifestos in the context of their time. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll try to avoid looking ahead. Of course, we have the benefit of hindsight, and we can look at how these these things played out. We can look at the entire futurist movement in a single episode. But that's not what we want to do. What we really want to do is to imagine that we're seeing these manifestos. For the first time, uh, what would it have been like if you'd have been handed any of these pamphlets or leaflets or hearing it recited? What would you have thought? What would you have felt? And only then will we sort of look at some ideas related closely to it, uh, to the time. Sure. Um, and so we get to see how these movements develop over time and uh, how these ideas are actually implemented. I mean, it's one thing to actually have a manifesto say, we believe in this. But a lot of these are quite artistic uh, and... I mean, how do you actually incorporate energy into the visual arts? Or how do you incorporate oh, no, sense the, of time the, in poetry? The, like, you know. No, all these things are very difficult to do. So we'll be looking at various written works. And also, they're, they're specifically reactions to things that are going on in their moment, no? no I mean, it's mean, a bit Ariel? difficult to... What do you uh, mean, What do you mean? He's, he's saying <laughs> that he's come up with this now. Yeah, you're <laughs> Are we trying to say right. that this now is entirely in 19, manufactured? Now in 1909, yeah. yeah but a lot of these are specific reactions to things that are going on then. So it's it's interesting to, you know, I guess what we're trying to say is maybe think of yourself as, you know, a, a young Italian artist or a mm. Frenchman with a beret at the time. <laughs> sort of, you know, walking around the cold streets of yeah. Paris and you pick up a copy of Le Figaro because you want to feel a little sophisticated back mm. then, even though yeah. you're just a measly hung artist. Over, right? Hung yeah. over, of course. That's right. Um, from your absinthe drinking or whatever yeah, it is you yeah. were doing. 
and uh, uh, and you see this. How how would that make you feel? How would this impact you and your art? And oh. and maybe well, how does it impact you now? Yeah. So should we briefly cover the the general outline of the manifesto? Like, what's its structure? Because it doesn't immediately begin with those eleven declarations. No, it doesn't. These are the big declarations, presumably you know the the big declarations of belief. But the manifesto starts, in fact, with a bit of a story of how these ideas came to Marinetti. Hmm. But Namely, let's just let's just go over yeah, the, let's, the general let's just, structure. Let's just go over the general structure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so I mean, we we begin just uh, with this um, with this wonderful little. It, it, honestly, it could have been from a novel. Uh, it's it reads so well. It's the prose is just so well written. It's really exciting. Here, I think you really get a great example of the manifesto as art itself. But it, it's strange because uh, the beginning actually traces uh, this uh, the actual creation of some of the ideas what gives marinetti the, these ideas and it leads into a near-death experience yeah and i mean i guess what we can just do is read the beginning of it okay <clears throat> my friends and i stayed up all night sitting beneath the lamps of a mosque whose star-studded filigreed brass domes resembled our souls all aglow with the concentrated brilliance of an electric heart for many hours we'd been tra trailing our age-old indolence back and forth over richly adorned oriental carpets, debating at the uttermost boundaries of logic and filling up masses of paper with our frenetic writings. Yeah, that's how mm. it starts. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is a bit interesting um, because uh, a brief note on the translation. We're using uh, the translations in Alex Danchev's collection of manifestos for penguin modern classics but we also looked at several other translations and um the not the original italian unfortunately neither of us speak italian mm. but definitely at the kind of semi-original french and uh don't let the translation fool you they're not actually in a mosque which we thought the first time yeah. we read this um rather it seems to be that they were in marinetti's apartment yeah. <laughs> that is rather richly adorned Maybe like like one of those Orientalist paintings, um, mm. like like a Delacroix, at these yeah, lamps. like a Delacroix painting, you know, where he's sitting on his lovely carpet and rug, and there's these really ornate, maybe a little kitschy kind of lamps, but they're having a really exciting time of it. When suddenly a, tra a tram like rolls past them, um, and they hear it, and they sort of run outside, and they're ecstatic and excited, right, by what's going on. And then they see their cars, their beautiful, beautiful Italian race cars. Well, yeah. not race cars. Not just, race cars, no. Yeah, I don't know. But also, just as a brief aside, if you wanted to know the exact translation, it's one from the critical writings, uh, the critical writings of F.T. Marinetti, which was edited in t together in 2006. So that's where we've got translation. Yeah, that's where we got it. Yeah. That's the one that's in our collection. Yeah, but so, so the story moves along through these like little episodes then they're in the cars yeah, yeah, yeah. racing hurtling along the highway like violently veering from like puddles and things that appear before them it seems to be dark or maybe early in the morning and right? in, in during the course of it he'll be periodically woken up by some of the things that would actually uh, he'll celebrate in these declarations of futurism he'll be woken up by these modern ideas of technology these sure. modern human first, things first and then the lulled back into a sleep he, all this rule of three we get a sense of death, and then a near-death experience, all within right the this end. beginning. Yeah. And from that, he emerges this, this hybrid figure of modern human, which is 
entirely metal flake covered and with soot and yes. uh, um, mm-hmm. but also covered in, in grime and sweaty and, and feeling very much alive and that's when we get the 11 declarations and then after that uh, we're then led into these challenges that he considers followed by a relish of death mm-hmm. <laughs> and objections and some final emboldened contradictions so just to think yeah it's it's not a, a consistent and co- nice coherent movement not at all certainly yeah, not the manifesto no. he will eventually move away from all this but no so let's let's stick to the state at the beginning and actually look through it we read out that first line and that first line i mean it's very important i mean it's it's very important i think for for a lot of reasons and i think what we want to go over now is the beginning and the devices kind of literary and poetic devices that he uses particularly at the start and then obviously later in the the declarations themselves but that he uses to begin to illustrate his ideas because a manifesto as as you will clearly see mm-hmm. throughout the whole podcast but particularly now is itself a work of art it, it, it like it, it speaks what it is right it announces itself in a futurist way in this case mm. so it its form has a lot of significance for Marinetti and, and for what's going on. But importantly, this this kind of preliminary little, uh, you know, s- stroll down memory lane for Marinetti that is actually really useful in actually interpreting the declarations. So, for example, what do you see in that first in that first paragraph, in the first two sentences? So, I mean, the first sentence, I think, uh, sums it up really well with uh, that combination of an electric heart, that ending of an electric heart. That's the hybrid human being that he will eventually kind of want to see. Uh, we, we are all but chintzy, sort of <laughs> Arabic-looking electric lamps. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, but, but, but we are, I mean, in, in, in a sense, right? For, for Marinetti, the, the electric heart is the most important part of the artist, even though he has this sort of yeah. filigreed exterior, in a sense. But, but you, just throughout the, this manifesto, he will actually combine... This, uh, I will say naturalistic language, it's very specific kind of naturalism. It's more animalistic. It's this organic language. So uh, Yeah, more than naturalism in, in the sort of science sense. He's more, more no, union with nature, right? Exactly. He, he's not interested in, uh, you know, measuring things like uh, in Cartesian or, or Bacon's kind of uh, uh, mechanistic philosophy. It's sure, not, not that kind all. of thing at all. So they leave his apartment. And get behind the wheels of their cars. But what what gets me is that I, I mentioned already this this foreshadowing, and you get the rule of three. Suddenly we were startled by the terrifying clatter of huge double-decker trams jolting by, all ablaze with different coloured lights, as if they were villages in festive celebration. And eventually he's then lulled back into the second sleep. Then the silence became more sombre. Yet even while we were listening to the tedious mumbled prayers of an ancient canal and the creaking bones of, a dilapida- of dilapidated palaces on their tiresome stretches of soggy lawn, we caught the sudden roar of ra- ravening motor cars right there beneath our wi- windows. So again, he's woken up a, a second time, he's lulled into the sleep. Then again, he's up by the motor cars and he says, come on, let's go. And they get behind the wheels of these cars and he... They, they drive. They drive like complete maniacs yeah. through the street. You know? A furious gust of madness tore us out of ourselves and hurled us along roads as deep and plunging as the beds of torrents. 
And he ends up chasing death. He chases death. This uh, death here uh, being described in is very well. Death, as a death kind of a dog and as a bear. Well, as a dog, as a bear, but death sort of appears at every twist and turn of the road. Um, right. Where in in a way he he sees the the danger of of the speed in the car, which again speed is like the essential tenet of futurism. Yeah, clearly. speed, energy. Is that so? He, energy. He's not. What I mean is that he's not, he acknowledges what speed is. He acknowledges its danger, and that's exactly what excites him, right? That's exactly what he relishes, is the very danger that going at the limit means and requires, right? Oh, yeah, he's burning at both ends. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's all a call to arms. But just, just, a, bit, just some, a little bit more of this animalistic language before coming to the third final awakening mm-hmm. that leads into it. We have, um, we have this... We're about to witness the birth of a centaur, and soon we shall witness the flight of the very first angels. Of course, these metaphors for the car, and, which he thinks of as a centaur, cause, mm-hmm. and also uh, angels as aeroplanes. We shall have to shake the gates of life itself to test their locks and hinges. Let's be off. It's call to arms. Let's go. Come on, my lads. Let's get out there. And he's very lost. He's very, very lost. He says that there's nothing worth dying for. There are no ideas. We're, we're empty. There's, we have no sublime or no love. And he's just chasing this excess, this energy. Uh, but again, and we like young lions chased after death, whose black pelt was dotted with pale crosses as he sped away along the vast violet-tinted sky, vital and throbbing. Uh, just, it's so electric. And, and evocative. Um, it is evocative. It yeah. is evocative. I mean, you can Im- imagine reading this and actually <laughs> yeah, feeling yeah, quite it's stirred. It's definitely evocative. No, but, but it, it, it really is. You know, we, we really do urge the listener to have a read. It's yeah. very short. It's yeah. It's these but, are under, but they're very they're very packed. I mean, we mentioned the naturalistic metaphors, but what are they specifically? I mean, you've got death as the dog, you know. You've got well, no. I mean, you read out in eleven. We shall sing of the great. Well, how does it? Uh, where does it go? The many hued, many voiced tides of revolution in the modern capitals, pulsating nightly ardor of arsenals and shipyards, ablaze with their violent electric moons, of railway stations voraciously devouring smoke-belching serpents, of workshops hanging from the clouds by their twisted threads of smoke, of bridges which, like giant gymnasts... It's all organic. It's all... Yeah. It's filled with spirit uh, of, of living energy. But I just want to finish yeah, up with tides, that. rivers, yeah. Yeah, so you've... We'll see how this language actually gets adopted, or rather, how it's dropped by subsequent futurist yeah. manifestos, because we've read ahead a little bit. But uh, the, the final one, because again, he's an expert, rule of three, he's got the fore- <laughs> all this foreshadowing, he's woken up once, lulled into a sleep by the canals, woken up again, lulled into a sleep again, behind the car, chasing after death, until suddenly... Then suddenly a pair of cyclists came towards me, gesticulating that I was on the wrong side, dithering about in front of me like two different lines of thought, both persuasive, but for all that, quite contradictory. Their stupid uncertainty was in my way. How ridiculous! What a nuisance! I braked hard, and to my disgust, the wheels left the ground, and I flew into a ditch. And so I, get, I knew I knew you'd never forget the cyclists. I was I was already thinking, oh, the cyclists. No, but the cyclists yeah, yeah. Are, are fundamentally important here. Yeah. Well, no, because uh, I, 
Okay, supposedly yeah. this is a real event. Yeah, no, I was about I was going to mention the same thing that, that in yeah. fact he he did apparently drive into a ditch exactly, because yeah, of two cyclists. But you yeah. know how invented this is, I don't I don't really know. But um, because uh, you've got the cyclist there, not only as supposedly something that happened to him, but also he says they're 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 the pair of cyclists. These are different lines of thought, well, and he yeah. li- literally these two ideas. He's not quite certain of futurism just yet, but it's all there bubbling beneath him. He's already being woken up by the trams and, mm-hmm. and the cars and things like that. And now he's literally coming to a head yeah. with these cyclists being uh, the example of the old artifice. These are the canals. These are the museums. These are the things that he hates and despises. And now he's literally coming into a head-on collision, him and his cart and these two cyclists. What's interesting is that he says that they're persuasive I mean, I, I disagree a bit. I think I think the cyclists don't represent that. You don't? Well, no, because, again, you know, cyclists are quite new. And there are yeah, paintings. Yeah, they're the wrong new. <laughs> the wrong new, right? Because, they're the because wrong you, new. Because you can cycle gently next to a canal. Yeah. Um, but the way that they hate canals, so futurists despise yeah. canals. No, I think the cyclists don't represent that. There is, in fact, the painting called The Cyclist, I think, right? If I'm not entirely yeah. mistaken. Yeah. yeah, and it's a very futurist painting, and, you know, it's fast and so on and so forth. I think the cyclists represent dithering. The fact that they're arguing is what matters here. That he's running into two people that are arguing, but for him, arguing is dithering. It's not action. What we need is aggressive action, the slap and the punching fist, you know, that he says. So I think I think that's what the what the what the cyclists represent. Mm, that you when think? you, when, yeah, when you don't act, you fall into a ditch. <laughs> that action isn't productive. That's what I think it represents. Okay. And he's but, running into it, right? He's running into arguing and see, parliaments and, you know, all see, these pesky I think, things. I think it's, it's slightly more uh, rich poetically if we view them as the c- collision of the old against this new especially since he's trying to invite this mm-hmm. new this new theoretical way of living and it's not just a, a, a guide for artists it's, it's not just a guide for some sort of elite or specific groups he eventually wants people to live their lives like this they want to, he wants them to be burning it so i think if it hadn't been a cyclist and it had been something that truly represented the past like a canal on wheels or uh, i don't know maybe a canal that was walking down the road, he would have run the canal down with his car and kept on going. I think, I think that's... he might like internal combustion. <laughs> he might like internal combustion. It's not yeah, yeah, you think, <laughs> no, but I mean, maybe. Fair enough, but I, I think that's what it represents. But so he crashes his car. He's in the ditch. From beneath my overturned car, I had a wonderful sense of my heart being pierced by the red hot sword of joy. And then eventually they pull the car out, and again we get that animalistic language coming in. That the car is... Uh, is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As it's pulled out, as if it were a shark. great shark that has been washed up and stranded, slowly the car's frame emerged, leaving its heavy, sober bodywork at the bottom of the ditch, as well as its soft, comfortable upholstery, as though they were merely scales. They thought it was dead, that gorgeous shark of mine. But a caress was all it needed to revive it. And there it was, back from the dead, darting along with its powerful fins. So with my face covered in repair shop grime, a fine mixture of metallic flakes, profuse sweat and pale blue soot, with my arms all bruised and bandaged, yet quite undaunted, I dictated our foremost desires to all men on earth who were truly alive. 
Ah. And then we lead into the 11. Yeah, it, it, it really is kind of rousing. Yeah, it, I know. But he, it doesn't he rousing, urge because yeah. he's, he's covered in these metal flakes. He's from the repetition. He's part machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's the electric heart. And that. Uh, but it, it gets me with that, with that nat- animalistic language. Mm-hmm. Because the temptation is to just think that it's going to be about uh, the artificial against the natural mm-hmm. he's going totally. to hate the natural world he doesn't he even uses some of the natural world it's as if he uh, relies upon a kind of naturalistic fallacy in the readers to re- sort of rouse them like oh yes we love this lifeblood stuff yeah. you know this the adrenaline and the passion here it's it's the living spirit not any kind of uh, uh, uh and and so it's very clear that he hates a certain kind of human work that he yeah. just believes is outdated I mean, just any human work been done before, he hates. Yeah. Well, he eventually, because we see that relish of death, he he pushes it all the way to its final conclusion because he then... uh, Yeah, because you might think, well, hold on, surely eventually even these ideas will be outdated. And there's that relish of death later on. But Mm -hmm. should we we look at the some of the uh, actual... Yeah, let's let's dive right in into the declarations once more. Um, I think we can skip over two for the moment, just because it's it's a fairly throwaway one about poetry, and we can mention that later. But one and three, I think, are important. What do you think? Certainly. Start with that. So <clears throat> just as a brief uh, recap, we want to sing about the love of danger, about the use of energy and re- recklessness as common daily practice. That's number one. And for three, up to now, literature has extolled a contemplative stillness, rapture and reverie. We intend to glorify aggressive action, a restful, restive wakefulness, life at the double, the slap and the punching fist. But no, I mean, what, just look at one first there, because I mean, the, the key uh, words come in the last part, daily practice. Yeah. This is where it's not just a claim for some intelligence, you're an elite. This is where it is, yes, this is about a different way of living. This is, this is the romantic ideal where they've got those experiments in living where um, Coleridge and others originally wanted to move to America to set up a commune there and Blake's doing his own thing and all these others are, are questioning, how should you live? Do we need to obey the ordinary conventions? And Rimbaud is then later on with the symbolists and the mm-hmm. aestheticians taking that on and, and saying, no, what, what is the point of my poetry in that? It's about changing the way that we live. Here we have it said explicitly, even though these guys are supposed to be thinking of new things. <laughs> but you talk about the, the romantics, and that's definitely that. I mean, they're, defi- they're definitely wanting to live out their art mm. through their, through their <clears throat> life, not only through the, through the work that they create, even though the work they create is essential and the most important thing they do, and they do it constantly. You know? yeah. um, it's, it's sort of the beginning of like a performance art, you know? like your entire life is part of this Absolutely. performance. And it's very much romantic. This entire thing is, is like romanticism for the technological age. You know? I think so. There is capital R romantic, because, I mean, uh, you've got not so much with Coleridge, but like with others, there is an appreciation... Um, for the for the unknown and for for ignorance and not wanting to to actually work mm-hmm. things out, uh, Keats used this term negative capability, yeah. which he he said was the capacity within human beings to tolerate uh, the unknown. So it's actually being able to see things that we don't understand that we don't know and not reach after uh, reason or logic to try and make sense of it. He thought that Shakespeare was the the great figure for this. But that that's how not only great poets should be, but also great individuals across the board. 
So, I, and I think you see a similar thing later on with this when we mention that um, in number seven, uh, where uh, we see that poetry must be thought of as, as a violent assault upon the forces of the unknown with the intention of making them prostrate themselves at the feet of mankind. This is not the Enlightenment thinking of one day working everything out. This is not what Hilbert will eventually be mm-hmm. wanting to do to say that, yes, mathematics will one day will, will prove all mathematical theorems and work them all out. Of course, Gödel blowing that out of the water. This is not that. Mm-hmm. This is them saying that this is that Nietzschean, uh, or kind of or also see that with Schopenhauer of things bending to human will. That this is somehow the powerful thing. And and yeah, we've, and the power of science in that. Yes, in, in doing that, no, and technology. I mean, I think the, the interesting thing about the romantic, although maybe we best move on, and I can bring this in slowly. But uh, okay. Whilst the romantics, like the, the romantics, do look back, right? Yes, like yeah, they do quite intensely. Back. I mean, in fact, they in fact, they glorify. The past seems to have this Hellenism like, inimitable draw yeah. that um, almost no other theme does. I mean, nature, but nature also has both nature as a reflection of your inner states, but nature mm-hmm. also has this esoteric power that other things that only, that only the past does. I guess like human past almost becomes nature in that way. Like ruins become that type of similar space that mountains become, I guess. Just just yeah. so I can crowbar in another. Keats invented another phrase here. This time to talk <laughs> okay, about yeah. this time to talk about Will, William Wordsworth, who he thought sometimes saw a bit too much in nature and he invented the phrase in egotistical sublime. Yeah. Where he thought you end up seeing too much of yourself within I mean, these things. Totally and then true, reading yeah. it totally is it no, that's in there, nature, yes. And mm-hmm. definitely not. Like, no, that is not in there. Yeah. Now, what do you call that now within psychology? It's got a phrase. Oh yeah, it's uh, is it transferring uh, transference? Or, or do you mean when when you when you assign human characteristics to say an animal? No, or, no, no, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm thinking like of that one. I know. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, when uh, your psychiatrist or yeah, therapist that's, that's ends up to yeah. yeah, when you trans- fall in love with your therapist. Is that what you're <laughs> <about>? <laughs> no? When they start putting their own problems in you. Uh, okay, yeah, that's transference. Yeah. 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 The other thing is just falling in love with your therapist. Oh, right? that's. Good. I'm sorry. If, if, has that happened to you, mate? I'm, I'm sorry. It's. No, I've never... Look, well, the, I'm sure the rejection the, was therapeutic. It, it, uh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay, but, three. So, yes, uh, three. So, three, I want to make a quick mention. The translation here, and we have looked at other translations of this, um, mm-hmm. not Italian, um, mm-hmm. as I'm sure we, we mentioned earlier, that we, we butcher Italian names, mm-hmm. but uh, we have looked at a few other translations, like the one in French from... Uh, the, the one, one from the Figaro. From yeah. the Figaro, yeah. And we'd like a, a, a brief, brief difference. Arrestive wakefulness is rather. Can you read it out in the French? Go for the French. Come oh on. My God, really? Come on. Yes, you have lovely accent. La littérature ayant jusqu'ici magnifié l'immobilité pensive, l'extase et le sommeil, nous voulons exalter le mouvement agressif, l'insomnie fiévreuse, le pas gymnastique, le saut périlleux, la gifle et le coup de poing. So, key operative phrase would be l'insomnie fiévreuse. So, it's feverish insomnia, not restive wakefulness. And what's the one about ecstasy? Um, yeah, so that's, that's the, what, what literature has up until now magnified, right? Pensive immobility, ecstasy, and sleep. Oh, that's, a, that's I, beautiful. I, that, that, yeah. That's a far better translation there. Sorry, uh, the one that we've got here is actually, I think, by a relation of Marinetti's. This is the one that... Uh, uh, no, from, no, no, from the critical now writings. Now you're yeah. insulting Marinetti's granddaughter. Yeah. Critical writings, copyright 2006. Lucia mm-hmm. Marinetti and... 
But I mean, oh, in this... any case, in any case, like, but it, so if anything, what that'll transmit to you is it's even more florid and powerful in in its original language than uh, the, <laughs> the translation you're reading, even though the translation is still quite but sensuous and, and powerful. Those words are key there. Mm. The ecstasy. I mean, th- that is a phrase that uh, that's a word that's imbued with with significance. I mean, ecstasy. You have that divine rapture yeah, exactly. kind of thing. I mean, you exactly. you can think of the, the the passions, the pleasure, the pain, the agonies, and what was it? Uh, a feverish insomnia, but also um, feverish insomnia is such a great phrase because it, here, I mean, it's, here it it's restive us... wakefulness. Yeah, that's crap. Restive wakefulness. No. What that means? That means you're kind of awake but docile. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. you're tired at the end of the day. Yeah, it's pra- perhaps, perhaps you know, gently, gently ready to go do some vigorous tennis. Yeah, know? I know. Uh, whereas um. this feverish insomnia, it really does conjure the idea that someone yeah, that is you, at the you, point of you go to of... the ends of the earth and you're bedraggled by your very practice. You know, yeah, that's okay. and still, yeah. you know, it's it's almost that suffering artist uh, idea that's being conjured. Not here. almost. It de- no, it definitely. Is. My apologies, I haven't gone far is. enough. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's so so futurist. But li- yeah, life. <laughs> but the rest of it, we like life at the double, the slap and the punching fist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's we like the life at the double, oh, burning also, the candle or both the weird thing that they, The weird thing that they removed, which was a, a gymnastic pace, which I, it's kind of a weird thing to have omitted entirely from yeah. the translation. Maybe what sort of gymnastic? <laughs> Were they thinking I, about? I guess it is, you know, less aggressive. I don't know. I guess uh, bouncing. Why are you smirking? What sort of gymnastics yeah, yeah, are you thinking you of there? I'm, I'm thinking of like what high jump or something. Yeah, high jump. <laughs> high jump. Certainly the high jump. They weren't going far enough for these. That's why they thought no, it undermines. Yeah. So which which other ones do you think are are, are very important? Four is important. Four is Four, important. and then it also brings things that that come again in eight and in mm. the entire previous part uh of 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 the the manifesto yeah i i Um, I think four and five are good to to say together because uh we believe that this wonderful world has been further enriched by a new beauty the beauty of speed a key sentiment there with the energy the excess the speed a racing car its bonnet decked with exhaust pipes like serpents with galvanic breath a roaring motor car which seems to race on like machine gun fire. It's more beautiful than the winged victory of Samus. Obviously, the artistic work there in the latter. But we've also got there, again, that um, energetic language there of, of, the, of the, the animalistic energies related to... Serpents of yeah. galvanic breath. And, uh, as well as that beauty of speed. Machines, no? But then that leads on to five with, uh, we wish to sing the praises of the man behind the steering wheel. So we're carrying yeah, on with... Is, the this vehicle, is very important. Yeah. Whose sleek shaft traverses the earth, with, which itself is hurtling at breakneck speed along the racetrack of its orbit. And there we're bringing in the earth as a whole into the futurist scheme. Yeah, Look at that, he's hoodwinking in these people. He's, he's convinced well, them. But this is but this is important, though. He's taking all of the natural metaphors that are, again, pretty much quintessentially romantic mm. and tapping into that vital life force of nature and its excitingness, I guess, uh, its, its passions, its impulses, your reptile brain stuff, all of that, Yeah. Um, but using it to talk about machines, which up until now and for a good while later were, are, are, are talked very derisively by artists and uh, by philosophers and the academy, no? Yeah, I think there is a uh, lot of pushback. There is, there is a lot. I mean, well, obviously later you'll have Heidegger and so on. Uh, in its own but, way, but, but you kind really of because anti- of the romantics, I yeah. think. In its own way, because mm-hmm. there was that. There, was, there were people who 
Tuckworth and, and other such writers who were sure. sort of, and, and you know, get, you get German painters during the Romantic period who were uh, depicting Caspar nature. Friedrich. Exactly, and things like that. Uh, people do, like that. Do you like Caspar Friedrich? I, like I is a strong word. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I. You know, I do. I can't not. But there's something. It's, there's something yeah. about Caspar Friedrich that does never fully convinced me. But anyway, that's that's good to know. Um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a Norwegian uh, painter as well, like that did um, landscapes. Can't yeah. find my words now. That, whilst technically perfect to a truly staggering extent, mm. I hate. Well, not hate. That's like a very strong word, but it just feels so weird and kitsch to me. But Oh, is it the perfection of it or the subject matter that's being well, It's depicted. like a beautiful, think, oh. perfect thing, and then it's like some really happy, red-faced, yodeling people on a little boat in a fjord, and there's something <laughs> about it that I'm like, oh, you bastard, you know? Oh, no. But again, it's technically sublime. Uh, anyway. That's good. But yeah, uh, uh, so we've got the, the fast car there, and then also the person behind it. And so this is the person who embraces the modern world. It's interesting because... Here it's not specifically an artist, no, although he was wanted to talk not. about poetry, as he yeah. said, the two. Wants well, I think there's there's a kind of implicit alliance that he has to make, and I think one that probably in his political life he makes much more explicitly, but in his practical life, that if you're going to have an aesthetic based on speed and machines and so on, you need someone to build them, and you need someone to operate them. And you need to be plugged into that part of life. And I think that's one of the reasons for him wanting to make this movement, to make art be at the vanguard of things again. Again, vanguard, a militaristic term, mm. avant-garde. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But like, it, it, it's important for this type of movement that it wants to be futurist, that it wants to be on, on the bleeding edge, not just of art, but of society in general, you're going to need to bring other people in. And that's also probably, again, a reaction against sort of stuffy old academic uh, aristocratic circles that he felt charged So out do you think that that's a practical need then that he's got there? He's realizing, oh, I haven't got the means to actually I don't know how to all. make an error. Well, I don't so, know how to drive. I mean, he clearly can't drive. What We've is established that, what, that earlier. No, yeah. One is that it's a means to an end for him. He's like, oh, no, I need mm. these other people in as well. well but, but or like is that, it actually um, that he thinks that people who embrace it as well? That actually that it's, is it's, an it's end an artistic, to an It's, it's an well. artistic, it's, I think it's an, it's an artistic means to an end, right? Mm. Like, it's not just part of his broader political project, although it might be, to to glorify those that do this, but it, to be on the bleeding edge of society, he realizes you need to be on the edge of technological development if you want mm. to be the fastest one, literally the fastest one. No, yeah. And if you want to be depicting and representing the world through the, the very marked ways of, of speed, of machine, so on. So yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's kind of an artistic necessity to, to really understand and be one and one with because, you know, you want to depict the world as the automobile driver sees it, as a machinist who's poor, where a machinist sees it, or as like a giant iron worker sees, you know, this like big massive machine pouring hot and it's probably, metal. It's probably know? also just that you mentioned performance art earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I think here, you this is the ultimate equivocation, isn't yeah. it? Uh, you've, you've, with these previous movements like romance, you see this as well. But here I think you you get that again, where... You cannot really distinguish between the art 
itself really we can mm -hmm. kind of conceptualize it in a different way but really you live it it's that life yep. and the life of the good life and the life of the artist this is all one and the same the one behind the wheel of the car yeah, is an artist they're making art yeah, they're exactly. doing work you're, which mm -hmm. to leads us to six <laughs> then we we're back to the poet marinetti of course being a poet um, yes, yes, which is, you know, we're tossing in two with this one. Yeah, I know. So, uh, six, the poet will have to do all in his power, passionately, flamboyantly, and with generosity of spirit, to increase the delirious fervor of the primordial elements. Mm. I know. And can you read that out in the French as well, sure. the different one? Because I seem to remember that this one was a great one as well. Yeah, so, il faut que le poète se dépense avec chaleur, éclat et prodigalité pour augmenter la ferveur enthousiaste des éléments primordiaux. I mean, that one's a much more faithful translation. Much more faithful. Um, and It sounded lovely, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, uh, primordial elements. What What's up with that? I, I never quite understood what he means. So, yeah, th this is... A it could be touching on different things. Again, we've mentioned he's got this animalistic natural language. Right. It, this is not the uh, inanimate natural world of Newton or, mm -hmm. or Bacon or Descartes. This is... This or Mendelssohn. Is, no. Or this is what's this the, is Blake. What's, what's the what's the Russian one whose name Kropotkin? There, no, yeah. I just wanted to say that. Out yeah, loud. No, yeah, you go. Nice, no, this is this is Blake's who thinks that um, you can never ever learn anything about a human life from a, a, a dissection because mm -hmm. you're operating on a corpse. That's to be doing something else. <laughs> you you need to if you want to study yeah. life, you look at the living, not at the dead. And so there's it's that kind of sentiment. But it could be that, um, but it could also be this idea of speed and energy and excess itself, because I think that's what lies really at the primordial heart of it. Yeah. it I think so, primordial because he loves the beauty. Yeah. yeah. And we know what beauty is. Be there is beauty energy. is speed mm -hmm. and energy. And, and so that's, that's well, what it's, it is. It's funny that you mentioned beauty because in, uh, in seven. Oh, lovely. Oh, wow, look at that transition. How smooth was that? I know. There is no longer any beauty except the struggle. Any work of art that lacks a sense of aggression can never be a masterpiece. Poetry must be thought of as a violent assault upon the forces of the unknown with the intention of making them prostrate themselves at the feet of mankind. So, wow. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. That ties in what we already that's mentioned we're, we're, a little we were bit earlier. About already, yeah. Yeah. That he, it's not, I don't, this is not the Enlightenment project. This is not about working anything out ever. There are mm -hmm. no formulas to be worked out, there are no truths about the world. They don't care about truths. <laughs> and we see, we'll see that right at the yeah, end. This is the energy is itself. This is kind of a, this, it's a, not really relativism because they have their objective values, yeah, but they they're in this success. They're a little bit unstable, but in themselves. Well, maybe, right? I, yeah. I seem to think they are. They're you volatile. seem to think they're fine, at least. Or, I mean, logically, that they work. Logically, they work. I think, I'm not sure they do, but yeah. I mean, how, I mean, he's, is later on credited as a philosopher, but how critically he thought about these things at the time. You're right. It's an unfair thing to, to be talking I don't about, know. probably. He but. might have not been worried about the whole... In fact, we know by the end of it, he's not fully concerned with consistency itself, but... Did you mean because of the fascism? Or? No, 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 no. At the end of the manifesto. <laughs> yeah, But definitely. he literally just uh, kind of rejects all, all, uh, all coherence and all reasoning. He says, sure. yeah, we don't care. We don't want to hear it. But I, I, think, I think that's important here. Um, but yeah, you, you get that, the struggle. The struggle, again, the struggle. So I think, I mean, the struggle is a bit strong. There are other the translations, it, yeah. except in, str in struggle. Except in struggle. Um, because the struggle sounds like... Mm. The definitive article. there was one, you know. Um, <clears throat> but isn't there always, Ariel? <laughs> isn't there always a struggle? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I guess it is. But no, in struggle. Yes, um, it's in struggle, not the struggle. And but yeah, we get poetry mentioned there again. Number eight. This is this is a weird one. This is no, when. But, he... but wait. So oh, I, sorry. I do want to mention a bit yeah, more. Please. I mean, any work of art that lacks a sense of aggression can never be a masterpiece. Mm. That's that's a big that's a big thing to say. That's a big thing to say. Aggression is a tricky idea as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, but but like I can see that. I mean, there are there are because like... that's not necessarily speed. It ties mm-hmm. in with energy. Aggression relates to energy, but it it has that sense of opposition again. Aggression. Yeah, I and mean, perhaps guess... even cruelty. Certainly cruelty. Certainly cruelty. Probably could be. I mean, I I, you know, I guess I'm thinking of great battle scenes, you know, of yeah. old that are certainly aggressive. But, you know, he wouldn't think like, I mean, clearly he'd think like a Monet water lilies is crap, you know, for him. Mm. In fact, it, it has, it has a, as a, as a main character. Yeah, but it has as a main character, the, the worst of all, Thomas. Yeah, I suppose he doesn't like the, the canal. subject. The canal. Oh. <laughs> the canal, yeah. <laughs> or the pond, which the I'm pond. assuming would fare no no better. I no, I doubt. I I maybe he'll maybe he won't hate ponds because mm. mm. uh, canals, you know, they're no, used they're to transport things in their own way. But, yeah, You've I mean, got even, horses dragging <laughs> boats. <on. laughs> but so, I mean, they, they do they do use the impressionist techniques. Yes, um, and, and we'll touch more slightly. on that yeah. in the coming weeks when um, we look it, at the it's, future Because it's all, it's all very well to say this, but it's certainly something else to put it into use. No? Yeah, divisionism mm-hmm. and pointillism will be touched on by them. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, it, uh, that, that is... But do, do, you mean, do you think something not aggressive can be a masterpiece? Or does everything... To be a masterpiece, does it, has to, does it have to have an edge of some kind? Because an edge is different from aggression. Unless right, you right, ex- enough, unless yeah. you extend aggression beyond uh, beyond bounds that I think it could be extended sure. onto without breaking as an mm. idea, <laughs> having any meaning at all. Yeah. No, I, I would reject that. An edge, I think, is a different thing. Mm. An edge can be like a turn. It can be yeah. It can uh, be just a different a volta. Yeah. Right it, it, it can be it can be a subversion of expectation. Mm-hmm. That's not quite the same. Aggression really does have and that, also, that but, darker context. But also aggression in which way? Right, because one, one thing is for the piece to be aggressive, to be depicting something aggressive. Well, that's good. And another thing is for it to be an aggressive act, to some viewers at least. See, or says, to a status it, uh, quo or something. This is the I think that's work of art that lacks a sense of aggression. And assuming mm-hmm. that the translation is faithful, it's the aggression of the art. Yeah, like the art itself has to yes, address. Yes, yeah. yeah. So not, you know, not necessarily that so some angry teenager scene, yeah. has gone and done it. Yeah. Um, or, but I mean... Uh, we, I mean maybe. We, the, the, there is something what? about the angry teenager. Let's have, have a look at, let's have a look at that in the coming weeks. So that'll be one to touch on mm-hmm. because I've already got certain paintings in mind in particular. And does it have aggression? In which case, mm. eh, disqualified. Disqualified. But, also, we can, but also I think we can, we can look into some of the futurist performances, right? Because... A lot of Marinetti be. is very performance-based. Like, yeah. for example, Marinetti was a big fan of Jarry, who um, I've been looking at a bit. Mm-hmm. And it is plainly aggressive. I mean, the first word in, in his, his very famous Ubu Roi play, Ubu King, mm. is shit. <laughs> that's know? good. That's it's nice great. Song. It's a great that's, play. That's nice. But it's like, a, it's, it starts punching immediately. Oh, 
Yeah. Life at the Double, Ariel. We know the this. The slap and so we on know and this. so forth. Yeah. Come on, we're, we're meant to be reading this as You're right. young students Eight. at the time. Yes, yes. We're hungover. We've just come out of an all-nighter at yeah, a cafe. Yeah, we've run out into a tram and we've yeah, been woken out of yeah, our slumber. And suddenly exactly. this this pamphlet on the front page of Le Figaro has been blown into our faces. Really, I was thinking I was thinking you pry it out of an old lady's hands and we pry push it. her into the road or something. like that. <laughs> so, No, 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 we're not futurist yet. <laughs> We're just delinquent students at the moment. Right, Only right. after that it. are we, do we then do, have do the we confidence then... of some nonsense theory behind us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we stand upon the furthest promontory of the ages. Why should we be looking back over our shoulders if what we desire is to smash down the mysterious doors of the impossible? Time and space died yesterday. We are already living in the realms of the absolute, for we have already created infinite omnipresent speed. This this one, oh, I, I think that this one will have a huge impact on the uh, avant-garde throughout the subsequent century mm-hmm. because you'll have these ideas of capital T time and capital S space and capital I impossible touched upon by the surrealist, the Dadaist. You'll have the erotic writers mm-hmm. like Bataille all fascinated with this idea of the unknowing, of the unknowledge um, uh, and you know trying to mess about with our relationship to... Uh, to the world around us, which uh, affecting our, our time and space, but we've all, it's slightly mystical as well, I think. Uh, but which, highly, yeah. Um, and he likes a little bit of that. I mean, you have the reference to the angel and the centaur. Like we, we forget those. We've got them now. It's kind of bringing in the mystical and the religious into our modern world, mm-hmm. uh, and actually saying this is the answer. You were looking a- above. Well, it's, it's funny because he's like on the one hand, the project is. You know, burn everything that's come before, flood the flood the museums, and so yeah. on. And yet, he's using these really positively ancient, mm. like artistic forms and I guess archetypes almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To to imbue this very cold, inhospitable future with the same type of meaning that things had in the past. So. I think there's a weird thing that he does there, right? But see, I think this is also what makes it genius because mm. anyone can just say, "Oh, I don't like anything that's old." Or draw up some uh, basic dichotomy between the natural and the artificial world, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do that. His future is very a very strange concoction of both. Well, and relies it, heavily the, on the, both. Exactly, and it's got the primordial element. Yeah, exactly. Think, so he uses naturalistic fallacy again. Sure. So. Um, and yeah, but what about the infinite omnipresent speed? What would he do if he saw a Bugatti Chiron or something? Oh, I mean, I think he... he Not to date it. (laughs) We all all know what he would do, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, so is that that to be taken as the machine age? Yeah, probably. So, I mean... mean, The omnipresent speed. Yeah, I think so. The machine age and... Just hyperbole. There's this... Yeah, hyperbole, but there is this, like... um, there's this economist whose name I've entirely forgotten, so I guess this entire comment doesn't matter, but um, talks about the, the rate of technological change and how even though you know now we really feel as if we're experiencing major convulsions, it's nothing compared to what happened then. Mm. It's nothing compared to what happened in the 19th century. Um, I mean, before there was no refrigeration. You, you know, there were no cars, there were none of these things. So like, yeah. really, really the, the, the scale of change that he had been in the tail end of living and he was living at that moment is staggering. Right? No, I, yeah, so there I, might be some of that as well. Yeah, no, so what about number nine now? 
Mm-hmm. Well, like we're just going through them one by one now, but I mean, it's, we're getting but, to I the mean, great. Other, other, the, the the thing is, number nine is really important. Mm. Um, the number eleven is a real is a real mouthful, but it's also quite important. The, the next three are really very important. We, we can kind of bulk them, I guess. Nine, N- and, nine 10 and ten are important because you've got um, the one which is the prison. This is what we're celebrating, exactly. And then the other, what we want to condemn. Yep. Don't read it out. And then we celebrate condemning some things as well. That's yeah. another, <laughs> it's a very futurist thing to do. So nine, we wish to glorify war, the sole cleanser of the world. Militarism, patriotism, the destructive act of the libertarian, beautiful ideas worth dying for, and scorn for women. Ooh. Yeah. I know. We've, we've got a... Uh, that's quite the list there. Um, glorify war. You know what? But wait. But wait. Not... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add the other stuff, too, just in one go. Okay. We wish to destroy museums, libraries, academies of any sort, and fight against moralism, feminism, and every kind of materialistic, self-serving cowardice. Yeah, no. So maybe we can work out something that he's, he's thinking. Why does? <laughs> you know. Uh. So I mean, look. There's a few things. Um, one is how full of politics this just got. Yes. Like, bam! Out of us, all of a sudden, from stuff that you can take to be aesthetic judgments, still about life and how you lead it, but in in an aesthetic way, fundamentally, right? Yes. Um, we've we've like plunged into into this super political thing. I mean, the glorify war, you can kind of see how he's trying to get some of that from his core. I mean, core. we glorify aggressive action. So yeah, on and forth. Like, I, beauty I, and aggression. Beauty and, and aggression, you know, there, there's beauty only in struggle. Mm. Um, and there's no greater struggle than war, is there? I know, but it, it does... So you, you think you can be a futurist without being a militarist? I, I, I think so. I think you could actually have some of those core tenets going on mm. with the, the love of speed of energy um uh, of of infusing uh the aesthetic into your everyday life mm-hmm. uh, and having the everyday life infuse your art as well um but how are you going to uh to burn down the museum without explosives well there's one thing to burn them down literally and another one to figuratively you don't have to go to the gallery <laughs> you could just have fun going there. That's not enough, is it? Why, why, why is it? Why is it not? I mean, you can just have, listen. You could set up a very successful leafleting campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone boycott the galleries. You don't have to then some, some torch some, them. Some have, some have, and then they've wound up, and then those leaflets have wound up in hey, the gallery. Let me next tell to you, I wrote those those leaflets. There were some pretty <laughs> cutting remarks in those leaflets. I'll have you find. Yeah, very excessive there, I think. And I stayed up all night. I did write it in a kind of feverish <laughs> insomnia. Yeah. Yeah, very futurist. And, I, and then I distributed them from the window of a car. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't, I why mean, do I have to then go out killing? Because it's a soul cleanser of the world. That's why we got it. I think that's mm-hmm. that's the thing. We, we it's then spelled out. Why glorify war? It's he thinks of it as a cleanser. So you've got the hypothetical there. If you can if you can disprove that it's a, the soul cleanser of the world, maybe we don't have to have war. So there you go. You've almost got. You can actually draw up a thing there. I don't know. I think I think war is there. the only. We want to cleanse the world. War is the soul cleanser of the world. Therefore, we wish to glorify war. There you go. A nice I mean, little why, why, would a, why would a futurist not like militarism? Uh, no, like, I, what I, in I futurism say, is anti-militarist. Would, nothing is specifically anti-futurist but i don't think that you automatically have something saying that yes you must be for it automatically mm-hmm. either it's just left 
in the great unknown. It's the mm. great open vacuum that people can then make additional yeah, I mean, assumptions. I guess nothing to, to directly. Yeah, I guess nothing directly implies it. Um, but he's not very concerned with implications. I guess maybe the love of danger, because there is the love of danger. Yeah, the slap but, and the punching fist. Yeah, the giant punching fist. That's looking like a propaganda poster. Yeah, but it's one thing to be a little bit handsy. It's another thing to go out <laughs> <laughs> conquering things or like just sending people off to their deaths. It's a different thing. No, I don't know. I think I think I think the violence, proper violence, is 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 the real edge of the movement. It's it's and 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 it's going that far that makes them as exciting and dangerous as they are. Because if they didn't, if they stopped just short of it, like no, no, no. I mean, look, we're we're just speaking figuratively. We don't really want to, you know, fill the fill the museums with pigs or, you know, I don't know, there's some other desacralization of the past, um, then I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the fervor they do. I'm willing to grant that, that it can be stirring because it's going to be playing to people's innate aggressiveness or, mm-hmm. you know, irritation. And then, yes, yeah, yeah, let's go out to war. It's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, also, okay, patriotism. We can, we can move yes, this a bit yeah. faster. But Militarism, patriotism. Patriotism, the destructive act of the libertarian. Beautiful <laughs> ideas worth dying for. That these are beautiful ideas worth dying for as well, right? Mm. Um, and that that's what they want. They want that level oh. of like revolutionary ecstasy in your art that you make. Again, it's interesting. It's not beautiful ideas worth living for. No. It's again, you, then we're now no, touching on the idea for. of death. And I think that will also maybe touch on why, why war and militarism. Yeah. Because there is a kind of fetishism regarding death. Oh, and, and then the patriotism that's just in there, right? Yeah, the patri- why is that patriotism? It, we only get one Tired, sign yeah. of... Because, hold on. Right before the, we move into the Futurist uh, Manifesto Declarations, we have, I dictated our foremost desires to all men on earth who are truly alive. So who is it? Okay, the manifesto is directed to all men on earth who are truly alive. But then at the beginning... And Italian. But yeah, only then at the beginning do we then suddenly get this idea of... um, uh, uh, Yeah, we're we're sick of um, uh, these ideas that are happening in our place, in our time. And I think this is also... We'll see the patriotism coming up in others, uh, in the the subsequent Futurist manifestos. But here, right before he moves into the 11, he he says it's all people who are truly alive. I mean, but he he did have have a, a, like, intense political... But before this, he wasn't intensely politically active. In a movement to get some land back from the Austro-Hungarian and some Italian lands from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, so he, he was always a, a sort of passionate Italian nationalist. Um, but yeah, as you as you say, right, none of these things have to yeah. necessarily be implied. And, then, and he's sending it yeah. to France. That's nice. Mm-hmm. An Italian movement that begins in France. Fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Patriotism, therefore. And then, of course, and scorn for women. Scorn for women, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be a tricky one. Obviously, suddenly I mean, we've just yeah. got this I mean, like, anti-feminist like, sentiment. I mean, powerfully, right? Then the next one, he explicitly dis- says, you know, to fight, the, they want to destroy museums, libraries, so on and so forth, and fight against moralism, feminism, mm. and every kind of materialistic, self-serving cowardice. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, the Marxist as well in there. But he's contradicting himself um, because he is such a moralist writer. He, he's just, it's, and, and I think we'll see this as well in, uh, mm-hmm. with Tristan Sara uh, uh, um, of the Dadaists and Andre Breton, where they're like, oh, yes, we hate these moralists. Mm-hmm. And yet they themselves are, are moralists. <laughs> they're telling you yeah, how to live. They are the, this pinnacle of moralism. <laughs> uh, and I mean, look, the, the feminist. Bestowing um, these norms. Yeah. The, the feminism thing, we're going to definitely talk about this a lot more in another yes. episode. We have one devoted to. To this specifically, a futurist manifesto written by uh, a female futurist, and yeah. of which 
just had to go for the alliteration there, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, which uh, Marinetti actually acted amongst others as a kind of a bodyguard between her and the crowd as she was reading it out and taking questions. So I don't know how that precisely works. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, Valentine de Saint-Point. Yeah. Um, the female. Manifesto Futurist, Futurist Woman, yeah. 1912. 1912, so two years after the big splash that this makes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so, so I guess, look, just to say a few... Factionalism. Yeah, just to say a few, a few brief Another remarks. Another alliteration there. Factionalism amongst the futurists. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd like that. I did, I did, thank you. Hey, we care about the form of and, <laughs> and the devices used in the manifesto. Yes. Um, hey, we can see just a few brief things. Uh because it's obviously quite a complicated topic, and we don't want to let them off the hook in any way. Mm. It it makes a lot of sense to me that they would have the scorn for women in here. See, I just think this is Marinetti's own thing. This is like the pa- yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is this. I can understand that he's also very passionate and excessive, and this is burning fire. But I mean, within you know, you've, you've got you've got militarism, you have violence, you have all yeah. of these things that are that are traditionally not associated with women and traditionally associated with like virile masculinity. Mm. And uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see to what degree the criticism is directed at. I don't know, like a form of what woman was, or I think probably more likely just. They just didn't like women at all. Yeah, no, I, I suspect right, it's I that as well. Yeah. But I, I like the idea also that there is something about uh, the roles, because, again, that touches on yeah, I mean, there, there, there what is. kind so of life should we be living. He yeah. cares about celebrating the person behind the wheel, so embracing to, and making it part of your everyday life. Yeah, but, but you know, I guess so, the, the traditional values of... You know, like, values. I mean, the traditional things we associate with, with female gender roles of, like, mm. caring for others and softness or you know all of these other like this cluster of, yeah. of aesthetic and it's not the recklessness exactly it's daily not, common practice it's not getting, is it? you know completely blasted and then writing poetry until 5 30 in the morning mm. or you then drive into a ditch hey, or probably hit one of the cyclists yeah <laughs> let's, let's oh. be honest <laughs> that's probably what happened but, no, oh no hold on no beauty except in the struggle. I don't know if he ever had to get up in the middle of the night and tend to a child that's crying. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> get out of the bed. More importantly. Three, stubbed his toe on the way there. Yeah, and a the sharp more, bit of the bed. And then when you get then back. Then there's you, a real struggle. And then when you get back, you have to yeah. deal with uh, Marinetti snoring, right? And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Being his disagreeable self all day. Um, oh, so so yeah. then, then there's. Yeah, in, and then the materialistic, self serving cowardice. Uh, nice. Self-serving, nice anti, oh, yeah. but nice anti-Marxist <laughs> nod there. Uh, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. think there's also it, the self-serving. I'd like to it's mention just because that's. I think that's also you could really translate that as life denying. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. Um, uh, the because it's, it, it's a self-serving coward. It's, it's you know keeping away, playing it safe, and that. No, this is the opposite of what we want to do. We want to keeping move it, out and be adventurous. Trade union, yeah. You know. And so, yeah, no, I think so. And 11, unless... So this one, I mean... Do you want to say more about 10? No, no, I think we've said plenty about 10. 11. And then, I mean, I think the the thing I really want to talk about there later is uh, feminism. Yeah. Yeah, but that's another episode. And with 11, this one isn't so so much of a a critical point. It's, It's rather bringing in... Rather explicitly there. I mean, look, all I'm, of the languages. I'm going to read, I'm gonna read a, a part of this. Um, mm. We shall sing of the great multitudes who are roused up by work, by pleasure, or by rebellion, of the many-hued, many-voiced tides of revolution in our modern capitals. 
of the pulsating nightly ardors of Arsenal's shipyards, Tarara, and he goes on. Um, Do you hear the people sing, singing a song of... <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is, that's what it is. It's just that sentiment. Yeah, I mean, and, and he... Again, this Sorry, is, this I've, is, I've, no, I've no, no, killed no, your flow. No, 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 it's fine. I, I, was, I was stumbling in my, my own flow. Um, this is, again, like five, right? Um, very much trying yeah. to talk about the man behind the steering wheel, the people that are mm. making it all happen, and th- this, like, almost socialist, realist little edge that he has at the end. Yeah, and it's so um, cool. It's bringing you in. Yeah, you, the, you the reader, come on, everyone, in, everyone you know? in here. We're um, all we're all this family. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I see it as trying to really insert himself and insert the movement into the soul of the future, kind mm. of, um, as the soul of the future. Yeah, and and just again, it's just filled with those uh, uh, nature and animalistic uh, um, ideas. Uh, or the bridges like Jim yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's violent it's electric beautiful. moons a railway says voraciously devouring smoke belching serpents of workshops hanging from the clouds by their twisted threads again this very uh, 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 of this organic sinew really mm-hmm. actually I think technically all sinew is organic but yeah. never mind <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about well I guess bridges might have inorganic might, sinew in uh, the, yeah yeah but I mean, I think I think those are the eleven declarations. Yes. Um, this is this is these are the eleven declarations that they, uh, what was it, hurled from Italy into the whole world. Mm. This utterly violent, inflammatory manifesto of ours, with which we are today founding future founding futurism, because we wish to free our country from the stinking canker of its professors, archaeologists, tour guides, and antiquarians. Mm. And for, it's in. Uh, for far too long, Italy has been a marketplace for junk dealers. Yeah, and then it it, it goes on in this um. In this line for a while, but it's nice, that, and that's a great. That's a statement of intent. Right, there you go. The entire thing is a statement of intent. Yeah, I know, but that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's the a, explicit. That's one. explicit Come intent. On. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, it, what's interesting is after the eleven declaration, it doesn't end. He then carries on, and uh, there are some bits there that I'm not so fussed about. I think more interesting are these mm-hmm. two challenges that he gives, yeah. um, which are. Perennial. These are the challenges uh, regarding art uh, that uh, you will still see now. Uh, yeah. People discussing in, which, in aesthetic seminars. And... Which are they? Well, well, <laughs> well. Funny you should well. ask. <laughs> what on earth is there to be discovered in an old painting other than the laboured contortions of the artist trying to break down the insep- inseparable barriers which prevent him from giving full expression to his artistic dream? Ad- There's the question. Mm-hmm. And then goes on. Admiring an old painting is just like pouring our purest feelings into a funerary urn. Instead of projecting them far and wide in violent outbursts of creation and of action. Yeah, so, so there what's you go. the value of old art? Is, it, is there mm. any value? What's the value in, in observing and enjoying old art? Or just, yeah... Right. That's, yeah, that's, well, a, that's the question. Yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely. It. I mean, we can clearly I mean, he see that there is none. Right. Yeah. He, and and he, in fact, it's quite the opposite. You. What's you're interesting? Actively he, destroying yourself yeah. by doing so. He he gives his Sapping interpretation of, of it. He thinks you know you feel free to disagree, but surely you're wasting your energies looking and trying to understand these old works, and whilst you're doing that, you're losing an opportunity to create your own very powerful art. And it could also be, he doesn't say this, so this is just a potential um, interpretation, but uh, 
it could also be that the time that you spend trying to learn, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about studying at the academies and you learn their techniques, sure. is actually a time when you then start to express yourself in their terms as opposed to trying to find your own way so much. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's something that's been... Because we don't like the old generally. But that, that right there that you just said is something that I think has been thoroughly absorbed into the artistic imagination. I mean, we've been kind of, I mean, I've been at least kind of subtly criticizing him or probably mm. quite quite overtly, yeah, I guess yeah. the listener will know. Um, but those are things that have been like completely assimilated into into modern art. And contem- very contemporary art. Contemporary art. What, that you don't want to study? Well, I mean, people in, in a lot of art, like, I don't know, like in CalArts or these different art schools, don't study trade at all. In fact, they, they come out of there almost entirely, like, as artistically able. I mean, like, I mean, technically able mm. as you or I. Mm. It's as much a strange theoretical exercise as it is something else. Um, like, like, that's been super absorbed. Into into the yeah, artistic I practice. Think, I think. No, I think I think that's, Ever since that's then. pretty right. Um, probably the only people that still still have this intense focus on trade and craft are like animators. Um, they're probably the most artistically skilled people we have. I mean, artistically in, in the old sense. I, mean, I don't want to be reductive about what art is. No, no, um, I think that's roughly right, and I think that. But a, yeah, this is one more. of the things, and I guess that, and the constantly having to violently respond against that that came before you, is something that we are still so stuck in. Um, it's hard to generalize, but at least how I learned at art in school mm. was always as this like succession of movements, one after another, that eats the previous one. So, what is the value then of looking at older art? <laughs> See, I brought it back. You yeah, no, very nice. No, yeah. no, I, I never doubted you for mm-hmm. a moment. Uh, so I disagree with him. Okay, I disagree with him. In fact, my you I, think there's a lot of value. I mean, yeah, I was thinking. I'm so yeah. lame. I, I love Renaissance. Me too. Art. It's I, that, my total obsession. Sucker for it. Yeah. Favorite artists: Michael, uh, Da Vinci, and Michelangelo. They're my favorite. <laughs> so lame. Everyone goes, oh, we know those. Mm-hmm. Come on, have some interesting ones. No, I just think that they're they're brilliant and they touch on. In particular, Michelangelo. I'm just obsessed with his La Pietas, in particular the Vatican La Pieta, and uh, and his David, and, and uh, it's mind blowing. And then you walk into the Sistine Chapel and you see the work there. It's yeah, no, like, oh. it's, 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 it's brilliant. And I love but the like, story there. Why? Yeah. Because um, one is that actually uh, some of that art. So we mentioned Renaissance art. Oftentimes it would have it would uh, have something of a narrative or something of an argument to be made. Yeah. So you know, you in in that period you'd have commentary on Platonic themes and Platonic, Platonic ideals. By including them, it's furthering debate about them. True. Um, I mean, they're, they're very representational. Um, exactly. And think of the School of Athens, Raphael's great work, um, where you've got all these great literary and uh, philosophical and mathematical figures. All thrown together. So, so you think in, in, in this case then... I mean, seeing that hypothetical is going way, to move sure. you mentally to actually think about their works. And you see the Timaeus depicted for Plato and, and, and Aristotle's ethics. I mean, uh, look, I'm, I'm going to be Marinetti here. Yeah. Um, no. I'm, I, I almost did an accent, but I didn't uh, no, do it. No, I did, I'm, I'm a bigger man than that. Um, yeah, but why though? Right, can't you just... Can't you just go and make your own philosophy? Can't you just go and respond to them yourself? Can't you go and make your own art that depicts them in your own way? Yeah, but you have right? to find out about them. But the, okay, so now we've made it educational. 
the value of old art is in, edu in educating you about some representation or about some thing. Is that what you think? What oh, you well, think uh, to, up to a point. I also think it can okay. depict, not to be all romantic all of a sudden, but mm -hmm. the sublime. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, it, can, it can get you. But uh, oftentimes you will blend in uh, these intellectual themes whilst also having that, that, that kind of smack in the face where you just lose all words. Mm-hmm. Consciousness uh, is just fully uh, immersed in this thing, and you can't make heads or tails of it. It's just overwhelming, and this is this is this is the excess, so, isn't that? Mm -hmm. And but he doesn't like any of this. No, well, well, no, I think he might. He very much does. I mean, clearly he has. I know, a yeah, lot he of likes it, but he doesn't like. No, but I think I think this is the. So I, I think I, I have another question here. Mm Let's let's be Marinetti. Let's be on his side. Okay. Let's yes. let's think for a minute that the only art that has any value is bleeding edge new stuff mm -hmm. that probably you are making, mm. right? I mean, I don't know. You can ch check the text again, but I think it's about what you create, right? This is a manifesto for artists. But what does the value of anyone else's art have then, right? Because sooner or later, and by sooner or later, I mean the second it's made. Yes, art will become old. <laughs> like, like the immediate experience will begin to fade. I guess, like a, I don't know, like a hat in a haberdasher's window in the sun or something. <laughs> what, like fast fashion? Yeah, exactly. But like, I mean, the, the second it's made, it starts fashion fading. Today, and then, why see anyone else's art at all? Why see art? Why? Why? Well, we already because he talks about poetry in in the eleven. So okay, let's check. So only Marinetti. insofar as it inspires you in this futurist way towards aggressive I th action, I think, I towards think, struggle, no, you, or maybe insofar as it offends you. I see. I don't it, think it could could be salient. Remember, it doesn't. There's a question about your relationship to the art. Mm -hmm. So you were wondering about okay, you have to be the creator, and that's the value in it. It's that it's you're somehow creating it, bring mm -hmm. it into existence, and that this is some sort of expenditure from yourself. But with uh, two and with uh, six and seven, uh, and in particular seven, remember it's the aggression in the masterpiece. So it's the aggression yeah. in the art, and so actually you can kind of celebrate it. Um, by uh, and get the right kind of relation to it by actually just observing it. Mm. So I think uh, you you could directly. I'm guessing that he just thinks you that mean. you don't. I'm guessing he's just mm -hmm. going to argue. I don't see this value in these old ones. I don't. Yeah, I, don't I don't see know. the energy in them. This sublime that you talk about. I think that you're just because you're there's also plenty of like you know I'm thinking of a Caravaggio. Yes, which but, is like. Oh. So, I mean, I would imagine Marinetti would be very into Caravaggio. Um, clearly not because it's no. old. And we ought to burn it. But and with Caravaggio's yeah. life, by the way, anyway, he was I mean, violent. Yeah, he was a violent bastard. Yeah, he killed murder, someone, murdered yeah. someone. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I I think there is a tension there um, between and his subject matters. Yeah, I think there's a tension between not wanting to value anything old and valuing anyone like for the reason that. Something has to be, I guess, inspiring you to create, or you creating immediately. Mm. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I, I guess it makes sense to, to only see new art, then, right? But there it, might be attention there. Yeah, but it's interesting to see. So that's that's the first of his challenges, and we yeah. see. But he thinks that yeah, what's the, what's the one, one admiring yeah. the old painting, you just you're ex 
you're wasting your time to be making your own. Mm -hmm. And two, do you really want to waste all your best energies in this unending, futile veneration for the past from which you emerge fatally exhausted, diminished, trampled down? Again, so continuing that idea of um, that somehow studying these old works it just kills your creativity. It it, it, it wastes your time. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I... Well, actually, uh, let me go on a little bit further. Make no mistake, I'm convinced that for an artist to go every day to museums and libraries and academies, the cemetery, cemeteries of wasted effort, calvaries of crucified dreams, records of impulses cut short, is every bit as harmful as the prolonged overprotectiveness of parents for certain young people who get carried away by their talent and ambition. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, okay, look, so, so I'm going to jump ahead a bit because the next part for him is... He, he then thinks... Now, you might think, uh, you might think that... Uh, that I mean everyone mm. but me, right? Yeah. That when I get old, you should still hold yeah. me up uh, right, ah, nice and high. Just before you could do, let me just temper it mm -hmm. with, the powerful young futurists don't want to have anything to do with it. The past. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they definitely don't want to have anything to no. do with the past. Yeah. And what um, happens when their time goes? Well, they're, they're will, they will be murdered in some, like, yeah. shack. You know, they'll... The uh, oldest among yeah. us are 30, so we have at least 10 years in which to complete our task. When we reach 40, other, younger, and more courageous men will very likely toss us into the trash can. Yeah, exactly. Like useless yeah. manuscripts. Us, you know? yeah. And that's what we want. Yeah. There is that fetishism for death. And, I mean, honestly... Well, de death is, is, I mean, for this type of thing, death is essential, right? Because all that matters is the speed, rather than sort of the speed and the movement of the primordial urges. Not that any one person is doing it, rather that like, I guess I guess the big river of creation keeps going, and uh, you need death for that. You need you need out with the old and in with the new. It could also be that they are actually uh, something like objective list theorists that they actually don't. It's not about aren't, aren't, your aren't well. Are you an objective list theorist? Uh, n no, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not like yeah. not like that. Yeah. Um, but no. Um, uh, Instead of uh, instead of relating it to themselves and it's my pleasure and my mm -hmm. success, it could just be that energy and excess. Exactly. These are the values, and it doesn't matter whose it is. It's, it's mm -hmm. like a, a utilitarianism with happiness. Exactly, it's just the 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 abstract psychological state that yeah. matters, not that it's attached uh, to anyone uh, yeah. in particular. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, when when we're burnt out and we're starting to run low in terms of celebrating these excesses, toss us out. Yeah. Yeah. We want that yeah, because we do. It's, yeah, it's not about our lives. It's about the dream. It's about the energy. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it, it's such a powerful bit of but prose you, there yeah, later no, on. And, and you have it? to and you have to admire. You have to admire that. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. our decaying mind, already destined for the catacombs of libraries. I mean, it really is relishing it. But we won't be there. Eventually, they will want us from every. Yeah. You're going to...
So no, I'll, I'll just skip ahead here. Yeah. That uh, he has this wonderful bit where he says, where they'll find him and the other futurists in 10 years' time or whatever, hidden in some little shed, huddling over uh, uh, some aeroplane engine that's now just a relic of the past. And they will rant and rave about us, gasping in outrage and fury. And then, frustrated by our proud, unwavering boldness, they will hurl themselves upon us to kill us, driven by a hatred made all the more implacable because their hearts overflow with love and admiration for us. <laughs> that is... I always, I've always found that line, like, like weird, like, so, so like self-serving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so self-serving, you know? That... I know. Self-serving cowardice. Totally. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How dare he's materialistic, Yeah. Self-serving materialistic oh. cowardice is all that is. Yeah. And, uh, but we mentioned it, uh, strong, healthy injustice will flash dazzlingly in their eyes. That's, that's amazing. And art, an amazing indeed, line. can be nothing but violence, cruelty, and injustice. What a declaration for art there. No, yeah. I'm surprised that that's not in his, his actual, makes it in his 11. Art, indeed, can be nothing but violence, cruelty, and injustice. But look, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, militarism is, is in here. And it's in the very pores of this of this thing. I know, but it's in his additional thing. It doesn't it doesn't fit with his. But war with does. The but energy. war does. It, it, maybe, maybe militarism no. Because, it's when he also thinks. I mean, I, I think I think militarism fits in here because I have a feeling that he likes tight fitting suits. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. I just have. I, I, We're I wandering get that down in, that route, are we? I get that intense feeling from ah. him. But. Uh, but like, yeah. It, the war is definitely in here. I, I think like, it, it, it might be a mad frenzy mob type of war, but war is in here. It's at that point just an additional thing. I think it really is just that that violence and cruelty that's just shining through. Mm-hmm. And and it is it's it's not that oh I made some very cutting remarks. Yes, their ego will be bruised for quite a while. None of that. It really is. No, I'm so, going to hit someone in the face. What's what's the second challenge? No, that was the, the, second, the challenge. second challenge. The second challenge was the, uh, uh, do people really want to uh, oh, yeah, waste, waste all, waste all, all their best energy? Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's good to just hit that final, mm-hmm. uh, that final moment where, and he ends it. This is where he just degenerates into, well, just a lack of logic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> an absence of reason. Yeah. He throws it all out the window. Uh, and it's in, it's entirely based on just energy and emotion and the mm-hmm. passion and, and the struggle itself. Um, I, I think it's worth reading virtually all of it. Nah, it? well, no, we don't, maybe. I mean, yeah. Do you have our any, hearts yeah. feel no weariness? For they feed on fire, on hatred, and on speed. Does that surprise you? That's logical enough, I suppose. As you don't even re- oh, oops, that's logical enough, I suppose. As you don't even remember having lived. Standing tall on the roof of the world, yet again, we fling our challenge at the stars. Do you have any objections? All right, sure. We know what they are. We have understood. Our sharp, duplicitous intelligence tells us that we are the sum total and extension of our forebears. Well, maybe. Be that as it may, what does it matter? We want nothing to do with it. Woe betide anybody whom we catch repeating these infamous words of ours. Look around you. Standing tall on the roof of the world, yet again, we hurl our defiance at the stars. Mm -hmm. What an ending, eh? Yeah. What an ending. 
But I mean, it's there. He's going, oh, yeah. You, you, you love this stuff. I do. I really you like that. You are a total sucker for this Oh, thing. I think it's, it's so well written. I, mm-hmm. do, I do really like that. I think I can see why it was so powerful in that. Mm-hmm. And there's other stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, flat. I think I think it's it's pow- yeah a lot. Well, his previous his previous plays mm. um, was it his novel I think Mafarca the Futurist. Yeah. Although no, that's not the one. There's another one that I think starts like Bobo, Bumbo yeah. or something ridiculous. Like There's that. another one later on. Yeah. That was it Zoom Zoom Tomb Tomb. No, uh, Zoom Zoom Tomb Tomb is a um, sound poem. Uh, and you have Zoom Tomb Tomb. That's and after, isn't it? There's, it's quite a brilliant poster, and there's uh, bombs on it because ah, Zoom Tomb Tomb. Yeah. But no, and so I, I just that I think that this is when he's throwing reason out the window, and you really do see that energy in excess just come. Uh, and and I, do you know what? I've come around to your way of thinking about it. I think although mm-hmm. it's it wasn't so obvious in the first part, by the end of it, he does have this additional thing where one of the, these primordial elements is just some sort of base cruelty um (laughs) just hatred just really just violence really you know i'm imagining i I think i think there's there's a very powerful link like i think if you do hate the past so much or or rather you want to replace the past and the four people over 40 Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i do think it's much more difficult like i'm not entirely sure you can have a, a very coherent way of defending like a a good like a good ethic of living somehow if you don't in some way value something about the past or somehow value something about the work others have done before you um yeah, well it's it's clearly nonsense because we know we've yeah. already mentioned that he's been stealing away and he, he i mean he says that yes this is our inflammatory manifesto that we just come up with right now he trialed it extensively throughout Italy before <laughs> yeah. it was published on Le Figaro. And he says, oh, yes, it was spontaneous. It's spontaneity is what we value. This is all, this is all just, he's a Svengali. This is all charlatanism. He's, he's, he's setting this <laughs> yeah. up. For, he's just this, this grandmaster behind it all. I wouldn't be surprised if he likes a bit of power play in it as well. And he's very clearly very interested in just the, ver- the art of the manifesto itself. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and that's probably, I mean, his greatest contribution is that. Yes, um, I think More so. than his poetry, more than his novel. Which, by the way, is bizarre. Mafarka really? the Futurist is is bizarre. Yeah, um, it's about a man who births a uh, a little robot. Ah, in fact, I mean, uh, he doesn't call it a robot. That's the was Capic, Capic, yeah. right? Capic, um, the the Czech yes. guy. Yes, yeah, yeah, but yeah. but it is a machine, a machine man. He births a machine man, and uh, we're gonna get more into mm. this properly mm. in the the episode about women because. It's def, you know, it's he does it without. Him. It's it's an immaculate conception, if mm. you will, without women. So he entirely eliminates the need yeah. for them in his his bizarre covered in of metal flakes and oil. This new this organic new little hybrid. Yeah. Um, so that's that's very odd. But this is mm. definitely his thing: is to write manifestos. And many of the manifestos we're going to look at, um, were either written by Marinetti or or had a lot of had a lot of Marinetti's hand yeah. about them. And certainly, the form of the manifesto is is his. Well, and Marx's. Uh, yeah, there. Uh, <laughs> I've got some ideas for some one-off episodes that we can do that will not be in the 20th century. Entirely, yeah. um, Previous ones, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that are just sort of little breaks that we can do just to yeah. sort of spice it up. But uh, just for but, this, yeah. I mean, what, what are your 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 like? What what do you come away with having having read the whole thing, having gone through the like huge excitement of the beginning because it's so exciting at, at mm, first. I really yeah. love the first part of it. 
Um, and then you you end up with these like brutal, like really violent, sort of awful pronouncements at the end. Yeah. So I, just before I, and I will answer that, I just want to very briefly say something about the form. We start off with the very creation of the manifesto, yeah. at the beginning of the manifesto, which then immediately leads us into the 11 declarations. Mm. So we get this wonderful prose story at the beginning. We're at the 11 declarations, a little bit of explicit theory. Um, and then what we led into the objections that he's got there. So we, we get some of that uh, critical uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, aesthetic theory yeah. and then being led into that kind of um, uh, sort of masochism later on that, uh, that our lives are means to an end to this energy. Yeah, I mean, and you then have the to, you ultimate. Have to give him, you have to give him that, that he is consistent in that way. Yeah, but what a progression though. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that that style, how he's arranged it in terms of this, this rough form. In a way he's, he's arranged... The, the very form of the manifesto is the form he wants art itself to take. Yes, yes. You know, he wants it to begin in a fervor. He wants it to, to like, to have these, these moments of awakening and then, and then slumber. Yeah. Awakening and slumber, awakening and slumber at the start. And then to declare yourself, right? And then violence, violence. You do your thing, which again is more violence. Mm. And then you will be violently killed by the next band of people who are sitting under chintzy horrible yeah he's, pre <laughs> chintzy he's horrible predicting lamps in he's predicting Milan the apartment. objections and well, kind and, of bringing in the future right further... he's predicting he's predicting what's going to happen to him as well and that that will be kind of the endlessly recurring cycle in a way i mean at least i see that yeah. in the form of, of the very manifesto yeah. and, and what i also like about that last part there when he talks about yes we know and surely it must be in some sense right I think this, again, uh, exemplifies this idea that it's not about working out, out any kind of knowledge or truth. It's about knowledge and truth prostrating itself before us. We don't care. We don't want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, so it could be right, but it's of no consequence to us. The truth doesn't matter. It's just the energy in excess yeah, and it's some the, sort it's of the, hatred. It's the will to power. The truth will, will bend to us. Oh, right? God, isn't it? But and then we hurl our defiance at the stars. The stars. Yeah. He repeats that twice, and we've got that also at the beginning. This reference about the stars. What do you think about that? Why the stars? He likes the Earth. The Earth is going at breakneck pace around because, the sun I mean, there, in this orbit. Is it because they're a little bit too stationary? They don't move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's look at those stars, always there. Yeah, it, may, it generally might be. I mean, that that, that that's a beautiful. Is that a nice way of thinking? Yeah, it's a nice way of thinking about it. There's, there's a lot of ways of thinking about this. It's not like the idea of screaming at the dark. <laughs> That's what I mean, I mean, it's, it's screaming the at the futurist. dark, or you know, at something that is indifferent. You no, know? mm. that, that he, part of him, I guess, acknowledges the, uh, you know, the indifferent cry uh, so that this is, or that maybe all creation is. How would we sum up the core themes of futurism here? What should a futurist life so, number and one, work? Show. Show. I mean, look, number one, speed. Speed. That's essential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, energy, just anything no, I think movement. Before energy. So, I, I, look, I think energy or and speed are kind of the core, the core values and the core mm. things you want to bring about, right? Um, th those are the ends of it. It's just speed mm. and to do that. But two, I think, is action. I think action is essential for that. Mm. Um, this isn't a theoretical movement. It's not one that's concerned with it. It's not one that is going to sit around writing essays. But yes, it will. No. They will. How they are these essays? They will write endless They're not manifestos. essays, they're manifestos. 
I think no, but I think this is important, right? Manifesto. A manifesto is the closest writing will ever get to action. Oh, okay. Yes, I think that's right. It's, so it's not just a, a, a bare treatise. No, no, no. no. It's no, the closest that's that right. will get to action, and then everything will be action. Remember the you have the 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 dithering cyclist at the beginning, right? That's yeah. what you don't want. You want to act. You want to hit them with your fiat. <laughs> Theoretically, <laughs> yeah, t- uh, equally persuasive, but yeah, yeah in, they're in out of the way. And um, I, but you know, what I also think to yeah. make sense of Marinetti's other works, even uh, 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 other ideas, uh, I think we also have to include some sort of uh, just uh, simple violence that he yeah, just thinks. Violence. Um, I was trying to say that it that seems added on. I think the only way to make sense of it is actually no within his mind. That, this is another thing. core. That's the thing. Violence is fundamental. Sort of primordial it's, violence is a primordial element here. But he seems to really rely. Vitality. On, he calls yeah. on uh, 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 certain parts of nature to uh, inspire him uh, and to bolster his, his his ideas. Sure. It'll be interesting to see whether the other futurists carry on this association. Mm-hmm. Spoilers: <clears throat> they won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Is, will be an interesting break. No, I mean it's look overall. It's a very exciting text. It is exciting. It's very exciting. Under ten pages. It, it is really brilliant. Um, uh, under, but it is it. It's it's funny. I mean, I it's still frightening in a way. Like it's still. I mean, not frightening. Like I'm not scared of it. He's dead. But <laughs> he can't but hurt you. He can't hurt me. No. But it's amazing. It's still unsettling, even now. Right. Like it is. I think anyone can read this today, and you you still feel. Like wow, okay, you you understand why this made the splash it did, and it still feels transgressive. Right? Yeah, it's, it does. It's still affronting a bit, even though again, I think it has been so thoroughly ad- like accepted. So much of this, of, yeah. Of I guess I guess maybe the meta form of the manifesto and the meta um, art like the. The th- sort of meta theory of artistic development implicit in this manifesto has been thoroughly accepted by 20th century art movements and continues to this day. Well, yeah, but m- not just in the arts, but just in oh, terms I mean, of everyday everything. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Silicon Valley is anything but is everything, yeah. but f- it's so futurist. Well, I mean, <laughs> this is this is why we started straight up futurists with yeah. the futurists uh, for the century because each of those subsequent movements would be either moving on from it. Mm-hmm. Or pushing against it in certain ways, um, but I just wanted to mention like something like punk. I mean, with its celebration of energy and excess. I mean, you had intellectual punks, but I mean, but hey, not funny, all of them. And it yeah. was just you could you could just play on that, even if you weren't hey, doing you know, the serious theory. Went, here. Even some punk went fascist. Yes, yeah. right. I mean, but that it, can happen. You, but with even these ideas. if you're just looking at that and you're not being especially critical, it can stir you. And mm-hmm. if you read it, uh, just as straightforward on uh, so take it punk. at face value so it's already you yeah. could already kind of start to embrace some sort of futurism you don't necessarily have to pick it apart as we've been doing it's already the call to arms is there and you could just go yes i, I am it, it has it has like a uh an edge of skepticism to it as well like it it's so utterly and and, and you, you see this in the end right mm. where he's where he's really saying like so what we don't care yeah you know that it's more a disavowal of, in a way, it's more a disavowal of value than it is adopting one. And it's, funnily enough, I don't think what we're doing here would kind of engage with futurism in the way that it wants. 
in a way. Probably I mean, not. I mean, like, no. like, like the, they they do have this. Well, we should have burnt this, according to them. Yeah, no, no, we should have after. we should have burnt this and uh, we should hurl my computer out the window. I know. We should have done. Yeah. I'm so sorry for wasting all your time. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean I mean like, it will be interesting to see how other artists respond to it in other manifestos. Yes, exactly. Because it, in like you know again a skeptic can always you know will do one of three things right you you get. If you confront the skeptic with, with oh, well, this isn't consistent or, you know, mm. this isn't right and whatever, they can say, well, okay, look, I can either toss out my consistency, mm. I can toss out the belief we said. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I can either toss out my consistency locally or I can either toss out this belief or the other belief, right? Yes. And... I know what you mean. You know what I mean. Yes. Hopefully the listener has yeah, yeah, yeah. can parse this garbage. You, you, but You trapped yourself by mentioning three. Yeah, I mentioned, I mentioned three, but you three is good. The, no, 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 because yeah. there's two beliefs that are yes. in conflict, and then there's the, the idea of consistency itself. Yes, so you, you can either reject it, yes. But you, you can toss consistency, consistency out locally, right? And that's what they do, and yeah. they just don't care. Yeah. Major and premise, minor premise, you can't or do anything validity. About it, you but you can't do anything about it, right? It, it's, no, yes. it's quite hard. So, yeah, it... Ah, that's part of their edge, right? That's that's why it feels kind of unstable, like a mm. like a like a phone with a swollen battery. <laughs> so it's one thing to see. Oh, and there's one more thing as well. Just in terms of uh, the form of the manifesto, Marinetti uh, uses words this this phrase "words in freedom" to break mm. out syntax. the syntax yeah. and use strange punctuation. He, in the manifesto, uses uh, punctuation for effect. So especially that last part, lots of ellipsis there uh, to break it apart, separate thoughts. Also mm-hmm. give some sort of a sense of time, uh, and even timelessness, because you immediately carry on reading yeah. it. And so you kind of blur time. So you've got that within the form as well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how these core ideas get played out in other mediums such as uh, uh, paintings and sculptures, yep. which we'll be seeing in coming weeks because we'll be turning to, for the next two weeks, the futurist painters. Yeah. Their first one, and then the technical manifesto, which happens yeah, not long so after. Yeah, I guess, so I guess we're going to uh, we're gonna look into action next. Mm. Right? How, how do these ideas get played out? Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, I think that, I think that sums it up. No. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to the first episode of The Manifest Image. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, check the show notes. Uh, there will be information there on sources. Yeah, you know, Thomas will put in a meme he likes. No. No, he won't. No, I won't. In any case, but thank yes, you very much. So next week, Umberto Boccioni and others, Manifesto of the Futurist Painters, 1910.